South Africa, a country whose spectacular beauty and dynamic people are known the world over. But there's another side to our country, and one that is rarely discussed in the detail it deserves. Join me, Nicole Engelbrecht, on True Crime South Africa, South Africa's first victim-focused true crime podcast, as we go beyond the headlines, focus on the victims, and explore some of South Africa's most heinous violent crimes. True Crime South Africa is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Social Detective is an independent podcast. It is for educational and awareness only. Some of the information is based on our opinion, as we will state in the podcast. Information can be triggering to some individuals, so please listen wisely. Guys, it's Marianne, dog mom, baker, true crime podcast maker, and today I want to take you back 37 years ago because today marks one of the most iconic murders in forensic history. This case also brought about Dr. Henry Lee, the director of Connecticut's Forensic Science Laboratory, into the national spotlight. One of the many cases that would make him one of the most respected forensic experts in the world. Now, I know that's debated right now, but I have a lot of personal feelings on this and personal relationships. In the Woodchipper case, Dr. Lee and many other members of his forensic team managed for the first time in Connecticut history to secure a murder conviction without a corpse, demonstrating in the process an uncanny ability to marshal several different forensic techniques in a collaborative pursuit of a murderer who thought he had pulled off the perfect crime. On November 18th, 1986, Hell Crafts, Rita Buono, and Trudy Horvath boarded a crowded Pan Am Airbus leaving Frankfurt, Germany to return them home to Connecticut. They were flight attendants, and these women had grown really close traveling the world, sharing adventures, and all of their family drama. Hell lately, well, she had quite a bit of spicy family drama to share. Rita, she listened in as Hel had, who was a stunning 39-year-old Danish-born woman. She was sharing how she had begun to suspect that her husband, Richard, he was engaging in an extramarital sexual activities. And she was preparing to go home and confront him about her suspicions. She'd hired a private investigator by the name of Keith Mayo. Keith Mayo had done quite a bit of investigating. So Hell had engaged a divorce attorney because Keith Mayo, he had gotten these pictures of Richard kissing another flight attendant outside of her New Jersey residence. 
Hell, who had originally been Hell Nelson, she married Richard Crafts in 1975. Hell and her husband had continued working, she is a flight attendant, he is a pilot, while raising their three children. After 11 years of marriage, though, it appeared that their union was coming to an end. Hell thought it was going to be on her terms. However, their marriage was going to come to an end, but it wasn't going to be on her terms, and she was never going to be seen again. Her death had made a lot of changes when it came to forensic science, judicial proceedings, and her death also inspired one of the most iconic scenes that you'll ever see in cinema in the 1996 movie Fargo by the Coen brothers. Oh, you betcha, yeah. Yeah. Now, again, on November 18th, 1986, after this long flight from Germany, Hell's friends drop her back off at her home in Newtown, Connecticut. And shortly after she arrives home, a huge snowstorm hits the area. The next morning, Richard said he's going to take Hell and their children to his sister's house in Westport. A lot of Hell's friends were checking in on her because they knew the drama that was going to hit. However, when he arrives at his sister's house, Hell is not with him or the kids. Over the next few weeks, Richard gave Hell's friends a lot of different stories as to why they were unable to reach her. He would say, well, she's visiting her mother in Denmark, or she's visiting the Canary Islands with a friend, even though there had been this giant snowstorm. But it just didn't jive with her friends. They wanted to know where she was because they knew Richard had a volatile temper and they knew that she was going to confront him. So they were really worried something tragic had happened. Also, Hell had told several of them, if something happens to me, don't assume it was an accident. Crafts was known to the local law enforcement in that area because he worked as a volunteer police officer in Newtown. And in 1986, Crafts also was working as a part-time police officer in the nearby town of Southbury. To Mayo, Newtown police initially dismissed his concerns, saying, Well, Hell's probably out of her town. She's going to come back. You know, they never take women's missing person really seriously at that time. The woman probably just got mad and run off. We're not going to worry about it. Thank God things are starting to shift in current today's age, and domestic violence is taken much more seriously. Convinced that Richard Crafts was involved in Hell's disappearance, this local private investigator. He was able to persuade the county prosecutor to look into this case. That county prosecutor, he referred the case to the Connecticut State Police. On December 26th, while Richard was vacationing with his children in Florida, troopers decided to search inside Richard Kraft's home. Inside, they found pieces of the carpet had been literally pulled up from the master bedroom floor. The family's nanny also recalled that a dark, grapefruit-sized stain had appeared in an area of that carpet, which turned up later missing. There was also blood smears on the inside of the bed mattress. The forensic investigation was led by none other than Dr. Henry Lee, who at the time was just another investigator for the state police. Richard's credit card showed several unusual purchases around the time of Hell's disappearance, including a freezer that was not found in the house. 
just a big-ass freezer that happens to disappear around the time that your wife does. Bed sheets, a comforter, and the rental of a wood chipper. But not just any wood chipper. He rented an Asplund Badger Brush Bandit 100. That's a hell of a wood chipper. It's an unusually large model for somebody doing non-commercial work. During this same time, Richard Crafts also had gotten a new truck. He picked up a large Westinghouse chest freezer using the alias and traveled outside his immediate area because that's what you do during a snowstorm. Should go over several towns to purchase some noteworthy items such as rubber gloves and a flathead shovel because that's what you do during a snowstorm. Also among these, they looked into other paperwork that this private investigator found was a receipt for a chainsaw. This chainsaw was later found in the Lake Zor, covered in hair and blood, which matched Hell's DNA. It was a key piece of evidence provided by Joseph Hine. Joseph Hine just happened to be a local man who drove the town snowplow in Southbury in the winter. Just happens on the night of November 18th, during some of the early morning hours after Hell was seen, Hine was plowing the roads during this horrific snowstorm when he notices a truck with a wood chipper attached, parked close to the shore of Lake Zor. Now, this all didn't come up until the investigators had been searching Kraft's house. Hine was like, okay, maybe all of these dots do connect because I'd seen that truck. He goes and he tells the detectives about it. He leads the detectives to the location where he saw that truck. That's where they examine the water's edge and they find a bunch of small pieces. Dr. Henry Lee had everyone looking. And they find small pieces of metal and some three ounces of human tissue, including the crown of a tooth, a fingernail covered in pink nail polish, bone chips, 2,660 bleached blonde human hairs. Yes, Hale Craft had bleached blonde hair. And O-type blood, which was the same type as Hale Craft. Again, this is before DNA was exact as it is now. This led the police to conclude that the remains had likely been fed through the wood chipper Richard had been seen towing. Additionally, that chainsaw that had contained the blonde human hair that was found underwater, whoever had that prior had tried to get rid of the serial number on that. They tried to scrub it away, but they were no match for the investigators. The investigators restored that number in the laboratory. The serial number on the tool was traced to the retailer, whose records confirmed that Richard Crafts had purchased the chainsaw. Investigators concluded that Richard struck Hell in the head with something blunt at least twice. They're able to do this by slowly matching up the pieces of bone, the tooth. They went through this meticulously, looking at the crime scene, the pictures, how the blood smears were, the transfer back and forth, and they were able to put 
these pieces of the puzzle together. And what it showed was something gruesome. Again, investigators concluded that Richard struck Hell in the head with something blunt at least twice, staining the carpet with her blood. Then he kept her body in the freezer for a few hours until she was frozen solid. That's when he cut her apart with the chainsaw. He then put the pieces through the wood chipper, probably projecting her fragmented remains into the truck, then shoveling them out onto the shore of Lake Zor. A prosecution for homicide generally requires an official determination of death for the alleged victim. Typically, this is done by identification of a body, which was not available on this case. However, with the help of a forensic dentist, the tooth crown found on the water's edge was positively matched to Hell's dental records. This evidence from the Connecticut State Medical Examiner's Office, it was able to issue a death certificate on January 13, 1987. At that point, Richard was immediately arrested. In preparation for the trial, State Medical Examiner H. Wayne Carver obtained a pig carcass that was then fed through a wood chipper, and they were able to recreate what they think happened. The shape of and the marks on the pig's bone chips after they had frozen it and then utilized the wood chipper, it was exactly identical to the shape of Hell's bone fragments. This strengthened the hypothesis that Richard had used a wood chipper to dispose of his wife's body. Richard Kraft's murder trial began in 1988 in New London, Connecticut, where it was moved due to the extensive local publicity. The case went to the jury after 54 days. On July 15, 1988, the 17th day of jury deliberations, one single juror, the only one in favor of acquittal, they refused to continue with deliberations and it was declared a mistrial. A second trial in Norwalk, Connecticut, that ended in a guilty verdict. On November 21st, 1989, Richard was finally sentenced to only 50 years in prison. On January 30th, 2020, Richard had been released from prison to live in a halfway house in Bridgeport, Connecticut because he had good behavior, so he was able to have an early release date. As of August 1st, 2020, that was the last we've been able to really see what has happened with Richard Kraft. And the last I'd been able to find, he was living in a veteran homeless shelter. The children have since changed their name to avoid the public eye. Hell Kraft, her case has set a very important precedent that with enough circumstantial evidence, a body isn't always required to charge someone or even convict on a homicide. With enough evidence, forensic investigators and through science, you are able to prove a homicide has occurred. That was a huge moment in forensic science. Dr. Henry Lee has paved the way for many criminologists and forensic investigators since that case 
over 35 years ago. Hellcraft had lost her life, but it made a huge impact in forensic science. And that's why we feature these cases and continue to try to advance science today. Remember, be safe and continue to share the cases to make a difference. My go from that chapter always reminds me that I need to get you guys to like, share, and subscribe in order to keep these podcasts going and to be able to grow more information on these victims' cases. So please like, share, follow, subscribe, and all of that junk. Thanks for listening and be safe.